Time again for Titans to talk. Fellas, we got a game, not Sunday, but tomorrow. So I know we've had several days to think about that loss, and uh, you know part of it is uh, some harsh realities I know we'll probably talk about. Moving on to Jacksonville, guys. Yeah, this is a team that we have handled. Uh, even two seasons ago when they were a good team, I felt like we had their number. Something about the 0-2 Jags, and uh, I know they played two good playoff caliber teams, I think, the Chiefs in week one and the Texans last week. They seem due to me, and um, they, they sort of worry me in that way. They played more or less close. Their offense uh, obviously hasn't looked great. They lost foals. Gardner Minshew has been competent. Uh, we'll see a lot of guys, uh, once tape comes out on these guys and they get some experience, uh, we kind of see defense looks as advertised. Uh, Landon, what, what are your initial thoughts on, on Jacksonville? Well, like you said, we've owned them the past few years, but that was with Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler at quarterback. And mm-hmm. it seems like Gardner Minshew is getting unexpected amount of hype for a six-round rookie who's yet to win a game. But he inspires confidence in this Jacksonville team, especially after they lost Foles. He rallied them back to almost overtime against the Texans until they went for two and lost. I think, like we learned this past week against the Colts, we, you, we can't doubt this team. We have to put them away. The early turnaround, you know, is something, but that's the same for both teams. We're the ones that have to travel, though. In your playing days, did you ever have a like a three-day turnaround? And do you obviously we know it'll affect them, but does that really favor the the, the home team? You think? Yeah, it usually does favor the home team. I've never had a a really big turnaround like that, but yeah, there's de- there's definitely a pretty big disadvantage to being a, a road team in a short turnaround. Thankfully. It's Jacksonville, so this is a division opponent where we're comfortable going to Jacksonville, and I'm sure we probably stay in the same hotel every time we go, and we're familiar with the game plan. Marcus, is this is the fifth year, so that means he's played at least four times in Jacksonville, so a little bit of familiarity helps, but it definitely is not an easy task. Landon, let's talk about transactions this week. If there's been any changes to our roster, and what's the latest uh, injury report? Well, Kevin Panfield is still out with a knee injury. He's not going to play for us. So on the bright side, Jamil Douglas, who did was a limited participant in, we, in Monday's practice, he's fully healthy. He'll play. Dave Flewellen is out with a hamstring injury, so it looks like it'll just be Henry and Lewis as far as our running backs go. And then Chris Millen, a depth cornerback, is out with a collarbone injury, but that doesn't really affect us. However, Wesley Woodyard hasn't played, hasn't practiced at all this week. And he's likely to be out, and that's a major blow because he's been one of these one of the team's veteran leadership over the past couple of years. Any word on the nature of his injury and, and the length? It's just a quad injury, and I know he was. I thought he looked fine in the game Sunday, so it might just be more of a. He's an older player. It's a short week. Don't right. want to risk anything with his health for the season. We've seen him not play every snap, but he's been viable this year, and like you mentioned, his uh, just outstanding leadership and presence there. He's tough as nails. I wouldn't be surprised if he's just getting a couple extra rest days, you know, with the travel ahead. And uh, at least that's what I hope because he is very important to our defense. For Jacksonville, AJ Boye, who we all know is is a really good in Houston and now with Jacksonville, he was a limited participant. I was uh, sort of under the impression he wouldn't play tomorrow. Uh, Landon, him and and Gakwe, do you, those are two big time players on their defense. Do you expect to see them tomorrow night? I expect to see Ngakwe because he's been a full participant in the in the past two days. 
But as for Boye, he's been a limited participant this whole week. So I would give it a 50-50 shot if he plays or not. That could have a major impact because as we'll get to later, this Jalen Ramsey drama is certainly going to affect his play on the field. The national narrative tomorrow night, the national guys will beat one or two stories to death. It's not always about the play on the field. And I know we're just super into, you know, what's actually happening. We're going to hear about Jalen Ramsey nonstop tomorrow night. And we're going to hear about Gardner Minshew nonstop. But it is really intriguing. So you both know that I was not impressed with the press conference two days ago where it was 16 minutes of basically a stream of consciousness. And he says his people did not leak the trade. I don't know if I buy that. And I don't think he's a terrible person because there's been people who said, hey, you know, just going off on his coach on the sideline. I, I just think um, Tom Coughlin, uh, he's just not a guy that doesn't seem like he develops relationships per se. Uh, it's a his way or the highway type. It's just kind of a bad marriage. But I think both of them probably could have salvaged this because this is their best player. I don't see how, John, they let him play tomorrow if they are really seriously considering trading him because it's so easy, obviously, to have a season-ending injury on any play in the NFL. Yeah, you know, there are a couple of different aspects about this that I've been thinking about since we first heard the news break. I think, like you mentioned, it, it is a legitimate scenario that Jalen Ramsey will be traded. Who knows to where? You know, there are leaks of it being the Eagles or the Chiefs offering a first round of a player. Or it could be anything. And until I actually see it come through, I'm not going to really believe all the chatter. One thing you mentioned is about Tom Coughlin. He is a really strict guy and he's really old school but then again you know this guy put up with Odell Beckham Jr. the entire time he was in New York you know not not once did we hear about a trade until after you know Coughlin left so I think he's got a a tolerance for crazy and he kind of I don't know about put them in line but um, he, he definitely can tolerate it and he's not afraid to make a trade but he doesn't feel forced to so unless the perfect offer point. comes in for him, I really don't think I, I don't feel like the Jaguars are pressured to move on from him. Yeah, he'll be a distraction the rest of the year, but they're not going to let him go for a, a discount. I, I know everybody in Nashville probably wants this guy, and you know I'm gonna I'm not going to lie, I do too. But I don't want to mortgage our future uh, to to get a guy that is kind of crazy, uh, even though he's an incredible player. There's no denying that especially if we have to take a quarterback in the next year or so. Well, big fella, uh, most of our fans know that um, in the offseason, he'd mentioned in a podcast that Nashville would, would be a ideal landing spot, among others, for him. I don't think he fits the culture. I know that he's uh, from the area. Obviously, he's an elite player, but I don't know that he fits the need. I, I just would be shocked if he's in play for us. And you mentioned, I think we need to keep our assets, although we're kind of a win-now team. I just don't know that that fits. Like you said, Nathan, Ramsey's on the trade block in. At minimum, the Jags are asking for a first-round pick and either another good pick or a good player. So it is risky for them to play him just because they're essentially risking a first-round pick for him to play. And you said that they don't have to trade him, but it looks like he's burning all the bridges he has in Jacksonville. He's chewed out the coach. He's made a bunch of silly public demands. He's acted like an idiot. So it really looks like he will be traded at some point this season. I just don't see why they would risk that kind of asset. Guys, we talked last week about how we needed to force Jacoby Brissett into mistakes like we did so well against Baker Mayfield. Brissett, he doesn't make every throw at an elite level, but he impressed me because the strength of the man, 
we couldn't get him down. The, the guy just seems country strong, and uh, he was just really resilient. Seems like a guy that I would think has a lot of characters, just a t- terrific guy and all. Um, I don't know that he's a pro bowler, but he certainly hung in there through some pressure and some different looks. I would think against Gardner Minshew, it's the same game plan, right? Big fella, we are going to want to try to force him into mistakes. And I know uh, you mentioned this in the notes. You mentioned this last week. We're going to have to tackle better. Yeah, we are going to have to tackle way better. You know, we should have had an additional four sacks on Jacoby Brissett. But like like we mentioned in the last podcast, that he just shook off tackles and he was able to get, you know, run around and extend time in the pocket and find some open receivers. We cannot let uh, this quarterback at Jacksonville, Minshew, we cannot let him do that. We have to wrap him up. We have to make him nervous. We have to force him to make mistakes. And, you know, he's a young kid. He's going to make mistakes. But I'll tell you what, he makes me really nervous. He, he He's a gunslinger. He's got that big handlebar mustache. Looks like Uncle Rico. Probably going to throw a football over to the mountains. So I get I get nervous. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that you can easily underlook. And they're the most dangerous sometimes. And they have a lot of deep threats. And that is never that has never been our specialty. Yeah, I think he's a guy, I actually like the, I may wear out on it, but I like the sort of spontaneity of him and just how off the wall he is because I think there's some substance there. I read about him like most people did the weekend. This guy had really high standardized test scores at a 4.0 and his various college stops just really had to go several places before he got in opportunities from Brandon, Mississippi, which is strange to some people because he played at Washington State. But before that, he was at East Carolina. Before that, he was at junior college in Mississippi. Just really wanted a chance, got it. And uh, this guy made a 42 on the Wonder Lake. So there is some substance there. However, this guy is going to take a beating soon, and hopefully it starts tomorrow night, and we'll see how he does. I I would like to see this guy be a long-term NFL starter. Uh, Would have liked for us to draft a developmental quarterback like Minshew or... Jared Stidham, two guys that we discussed on this podcast uh, in the spring. But all that being said, um, we're going to have to get after him. We're going to have to give him some different looks, and we are going to have to wrap up and tackle, like you said. Uh, Landon, your thoughts on Minshew? I know you're a little bit younger. I think uh, this guy would definitely is going to have, especially if he has some success, uh, inundate himself to the younger crowd, don't you think? Oh, most certainly because he was he's an underdog. He was a six-round pick, obviously. He's got, like you said, he's got the crazy facial hair. He's 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 crazy in the locker room. He does stretches and workouts naked with a pair of sunglasses in the locker room. <laughs> Those just, stories are hilarious. I will Incredible. Yeah, he's just got that kind of crazy balls-to-wall energy that resonates with people. And if he's good, people are going to like him because he, his face is very identifiable. His actions are quirky and hilarious. And if he's good, people love a good quarterback. Landon, I love that you made that reference because, you know, for Jacksonville, every quarterback they've had in, you know, the recent history, they've been these quiet guys, these reserved guys. Bortles never really said much. You know, Foles was always a quiet guy. Now they get this larger-than-life personality, and for a fan base who's kind of drifting, I think he's a really great thing for that team, and, you know, that kind of gets me nervous. It's almost kind of like Cleveland drafting Baker Mayfield. Obviously, it's exactly like yep, that, except right. they both have to back it up eventually. But I think to go to a place like that and absolutely own it, I agree 100%, big fella. It, it can invigorate an entire franchise. So, fellas, we know the um, offense of the Jaguars is not super explosive, and they have some issues along the offensive line. But, Landon, 
Tomorrow night, what offensive weapon should we be looking for? I really like DJ Chark. You can tell us a little bit about him. or What, what else can we look for tomorrow night from them offensively? I think we should certainly expect a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette because he's averaging close to 20 touches per game these first two games. And even though he hasn't scored a touchdown yet, they're really focused on giving him the ball. Because outside of Minshew, he's easily their best offensive weapon. Now, I know you guys like Chark, Chris Conley, and D.D. Westbrook have had their moments, but Fournette is the guy they're going to every game, giving the ball every game. And they gave him the ball on the two-point conversion with the game on the line, and he came up short. But if the Jags are going to break open this game and have a shot, it's going to be because Fournette gets going. Yeah, I think you have a pretty good point there, Landon. I mean, obviously, I like some of their deep threats. I, I think Chark is a, a really good receiver to, to and has the opportunity or potential to get behind our corner. Same thing with D.D. Westbrook, but I think you're right. Game is going to go right through Fournette. You guys know I'm not really high on Fournette. I wasn't coming out because of his injury history. I think he's one-dimensional. I don't think he's an excellent pass catcher, and he hasn't shown the sort of kind of work ethic. I don't live in Jacksonville and go to every practice, but just from what we know, it doesn't seem like he disciplined that these just top, top guys have. So not a huge fan of Fournette, but it's going to be really interesting to see tomorrow night. Obviously, Derrick Henry showed out in our last matchup with Jacksonville. I'm hoping for the same. Big fellow, what are you looking for for our offense? We were making breakthroughs with Henry at the end of the third, and he had three touches in the fourth quarter. They're going to look at that tape, and they're going to remedy that, right? I really hope so. Just like Jacksonville, I think our our offensive game plan is going to go through Henry, and I think we got to give him more touches. I have no idea why we stopped giving him the ball in the fourth quarter of the Indianapolis game because he was doing incredible. So we definitely have to stay with the hot hand in Henry. This narrative is going to be every week for the rest of the season. We need Marcus to play smart. We need him to not hold the ball too long and look for too many things downfield. We, you know, I don't. I never thought I'd say I want our quarterback to be a checkdown quarterback because that gets us into second and second and manageable and third and short. That's what we need, and that's when we hit Henry and we convert first downs. And we move down the field and we score touchdowns. I think that's what we have to do. We have to rely on Walker to, to make some pockets in the middle of the defense. And then we have to, every once in a while, dial it up deep and hit Davis or, you know, um, A.J. Brown. We've seen them do that and we have to do it. <laughs> right now, our receivers are on pace for zero touchdowns for the entire year. So that has got to change in a hurry. Landon Cameron Wake has only played in about a quarter of our defensive snaps, but he's been our best pass rusher. Harold Landry, if you watch the tape, plays really hard, never takes a playoff, it's getting after it, but he has not had the kind of production that we will hope to see. I really think it's absolutely imperative that we get a pass rush going. Uh, Where do you think we'll see that from, and do you think we'll see more more from Landry tomorrow night? I think we certainly will see more from Landry just because Minshew's a – this is his third game as a quarterback. He's still pretty new. He hasn't seen everything that we can throw at him. Our front seven and the whole defense is still really good. And I know the Jags are getting their left tackle, Cam Robinson, back from injury. But still, it'll be his first game of the season. He's likely to be a little rusty. Their line hasn't been great this year anyway. So I can certainly see us getting the same kind of pressure we got against the Colts line, especially since that Colts line was so good. We only didn't get a bunch of sacks because Brissett kept breaking them. Yeah, I don't think this line is anywhere near what Indianapolis is. So I hope to get a lot of pressure from a lot of different people. 
I don't want you guys to forget my boy Sharif Finch at a temple and he has got a motor on him. I was watching my Sunday. He had Sunday. some pressure a uh, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he ended up with a sack. We more from him. Yeah. Yeah. We need to see a lot more from him. And another guy yeah. that I think we'll want to look out for is Reggie Gilbert. He is suiting up for the first time this season for us. And he, um, you know, we swang a, a we, we had a trade with Green Bay um, before the season started to get him as a pass rusher. And I think, granted, he'll be new to our defense, but just having fresh bodies and, being able to keep the pressure on Minshew is going to be incredible. And like you said, he's a rookie, and he's got to take his lumps too. He's got to learn. So this will be a great opportunity to take advantage of that matchup. Guys, a lot of this comes down to your prediction, and I want you to give me that first, whether Jalen Ramsey will play or not. But is this the week we see Corey Davis break out and Adam Humphreys for that matter? Uh, we'll start with you, big fella. I sure hope we have a siding of the two. Our offense is going to run through Henry, and if Henry gets going, then I have more confidence in our ability to spread the ball around because we won't. it'll get a lot of defenders out in space and create some nice holes in the defense. So I think we could see Corey Davis come on strong, and I really hope we get Humphreys involved, and A.J. Brown for that matter. We have seen um, Mariota be a bit limited down the field in the first two games. But beyond that, I haven't seen a lot of separation from Corey Davis uh, when I've watched the film. Have you seen the same thing? And what, what do you think needs to sort of change to uh, uh, the routes he's running? Or is there something with him? Or have you noticed that with, with Davis? I have noticed that. And to me, the biggest thing is, like John mentioned, the quality of cornerbacks that we faced in the routes he's ran. Mm-hmm. Because Fair. week one, he went up against Denzel Ward pretty much all game. Who even in his second year looks like he's going to be one of the premier cornerbacks in this league. And then against the Colts secondary, he was the number one guy that they had to they had to limit. So he got a lot of focus. And to me, even going back to his college days, part of what made Corey Davis so special was when it looks like it's tightly contested, the defensive back's right in his hip. He was throwing the 50-50 ball. He's so big, so strong. He's, he'll just out-muscle the guy. And we just don't do that much. Mario doesn't like to throw those 50-50 jump balls that guys like Big Ben Roethlisberger throw to Antonio Brown where they just trust their talented receiver to make the play when it matters. Right. He doesn't do the 50-50 ball, that's for sure. Yeah, and Landon, you know, it's an incredible point. Like, I mean, if we don't highlight what the guy does so well, why did we draft him at top five? Like, why do we do it? You guys didn't tell me uh, your prediction on Ramsey. Do you you think we'll see him tomorrow night? I think he plays, but he won't be close to 100% as far as his mental focus goes. And even going back to the Thursday night game last year where they didn't play well. Henry ran all over ran all over the defense. Ramsey was a big reason why because Davis kept blocking him and knocking him out of the way and he just lost contain on Henry. Ramsey hasn't always played great against us. I expect that kind of performance to continue tomorrow. Big fellow, what about you in a word? Do you think we'll see Ramsey on the field tomorrow night? Yeah, I think we'll see him. I I think the Dolphins played Micka Fitzpatrick with this deal probably already on the table. I just think these players play such pivotal positions and you can't do without them, especially on a short, uh, you know, a shortened week. You can't roll out there with, uh, you know, your your second or third string guy playing the whole game, especially if Boye is limited. So I think Ramsey will take the field. Landon, what's the impact of the loser of this game on the division race? Do you think it's too early for that? Obviously, there are only 16 games. All these games matter. I don't think it's too early at all to say that this game has season-wide implications because... If the Jags lose, they're 0-3, 0-2 in the division. At least in the division, they're pretty much out of the race. They're in such a big hole. No matter how good 
Minshew could be. They just don't have enough talent around him to to get out of that hole. And then for the Titans, if we lose, we're one and two, also zero and two in the division. That just makes things that much harder because yes, Taylor Lewan is out. Yes, we have a tough stretch to start the year, but still, it's the NFL. You never want to be behind the eight ball. Huge game for us, guys. Tomorrow night, seven twenty. You'll be on local TV here in Nashville, and uh, for everybody else, it'll be on NFL Network. Great job, guys. A lot of information. We're excited. And uh, hopefully, guys, we'll get that win. It would be not pretty if we start 0-2 in this division. And somehow even worse after that awesome win in week one. But I got a feeling we're going to find a way to win this game. This is no pushover. This is going to be a desperate team for a W uh, with all the internal stuff that they have. But hopefully... All the culture issues and, and all the news-making stuff is is going to have them distracted, like you mentioned, Big Fella, and we'll be able to get back on track with the dubs. Anything else, guys? You know, have faith in the kid. All right, everybody, I know all your haters are out there, but have faith in Marcus. I think we're going to see a lot different of a game this week, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing, but um, I really want him to be the guy. I'm sure all of you do too, but these are some tough times, but I think, I think he can get us through. We'll have, a, we'll have a lot of questions answered, right? This is final exam time for Marcus Mariota. There's no question. I know our fan base has been talking all week. I've seen a lot of people that haven't said this before. He's not ready. It's not, And there is some suspect things. But uh, the final exam is not over. They're going to give him time uh, for the foreseeable future uh, to try to get this right, and that starts tomorrow night. Looking forward to it, and we'll talk to you on Sunday for reaction. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.